0: Welcome to Dragon Talk. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> I'm Greg Dito and I'm making Shelley Madenobel laugh.
1: Yeah, as huge
0: As the huge Dragon
1: Talk.
0: Did you listen to our outro no. last week?
1: No. Oh, you said you were going to. I started listening to the intro, and I was like, this chick is annoying. <laughs> and I turned her off. <laughs> Brian, is there a way that we can you can make me a version of the podcast that only has Tito's voice, and every time I talk, it's like birds chirping or something? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he said no, no, I can't. We're not going to do it. Well,
1: I can't listen to the podcast, Just, but I will listen to the outro because it's pretty good. I remember what we talked about, and it still makes me laugh.
0: <laughs> it's it's very fun stuff. Uh, so thank you to everyone who listened last week. Yes. Uh, our interview with uh, Fiona Staples uh, went crazily, but. Guess what? What? We have a new interview on this here Dragon I'm Talk. I'm
1: excited. We are
0: going to speak to Dan Telfer and Blaine Capatch from Nerd Poker. Yes. They are amazing. Um, they
1: are like pioneers of this whole D&D podcast. It's true, yeah. You know, they were doing it a long time ago. Th- uh,
0: yes. I mean, that's a,
1: a, by a long time, I mean like five years or whatever. But that whatever.
0: is. Because
1: it's, it's so new still.
0: It was very nascent, uh, that whole playing yeah. D&D live uh, for um for video of course was was growing around that time but podcasting hadn't really happened it was basically you know uh acquisitions incorporated and yeah. that's about it yeah um when nerd poker came on the scene uh so we're excited to learn about that yeah. um, as well as their new campaign that just started
1: and it's exciting always when we have a guest return exactly. because we have talked to Dan before that's true and it's like oh thank yeah. god like they still he, had,
0: he was not the dungeon master. I think at the beginning of uh, Nerd Poker in the in the way before times, but he has taken over and done a fantastic job in the last few years. Uh, and so, can't wait to to, yep. to hear from that um, as well as uh, all the other stand up comedians uh, that perform. You on You think they're that funny podcast. even
1: when they play? Just they just it's oh, just yeah. it's just natural. It's
0: just natural for them, just yeah. like you and I. How we're I just mean, naturally it's, unentertaining.
1: It's totally natural for us to <laughs> not. Make people laugh. <laughs>
0: That's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you'll hear from them. Um, and then we've got a, a stage advice segment uh, with Jeremy Crawford on bonus actions coming up.
1: Uh, bonus actions. In a little bit. That's Any, cool. Yeah,
0: exactly. We're excited. What happened with you uh, this week that you might want to chat about?
1: It's just a bunch of stuff I can't announce yet or talk about. I know. There's but a lot of major that. progress on two very exciting, cool things. Ooh. That it's going to be so fun.
0: When you are able to talk about it, and it'll be so fun. Yep.
1: Uh,
0: that's great. I've been doing the same, working on a bunch of stuff that I cannot tell anyone about. Yep. Um, one of those things will have occurred by the time you are able to listen to this podcast, podcast listeners. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to, to go into more detail on that in future episodes, but it's pretty
1: neat. I know. I'm very excited about those too.
0: Exactly. Um, so what can people uh, pay attention to
1: now? For what's I think happening? That you should pay attention to Dungeon Mayhem.
0: Dungeon Mayhem. Are you playing
1: Dungeon Mayhem? Are Pe- you people? Are people? you playing? Because like, you should go. Just grab a copy. It is never not fun.
0: It's true. Yeah. No. People just love to jump <gasps> in and 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 grab a hold. Uh, anybody that I've introduced it to, you know, there's sometimes there's a little bit of a skeptic. You know, even on on how good the the artwork looks and how it brings people in. People are like, ah, that's not my style of game. And then they start playing it and they're yep. like, yes, this is my style, my style of style game. game. Right.
1: You know what was great was coming back from our our holiday break, Mm -hmm. a lot of people were home with their families and several, 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 several people said, hey, I introduced my whole family to Dungeon Mayhem. We played Dungeon Mayhem the whole break. A lot of people are not, like the family might not be invested in D&D the -hmm. way that we are. Right? They still played it. They still loved it. It's just a fun game. And if you do love D&D, then you're just going to appreciate it even more for what it is. But it's just a fun card game.
0: It reminds me to a certain extent, you know, totally in a, in a different genre, but uh, Lords of Waterdeep was yeah. just a fun board game. Yes. You know, and it almost didn't really matter what the D&D flavor was in there. Obviously, yeah. if that if you responded to that, it was, you know, all Great. in canon and made sense and was an awesome, you know, yes full of references back to stuff that you may know. But... You know, my wife, for example, played it just because she liked getting the perp- the, the squares and and completing the quests. You yeah. know, just doing the, the, the work is. of the of, of the of the game and loved it for that reason. Fun game, yeah. Um, so uh, I think Dungeon Mayhem is very similar in that regard, where like you know, yes, it all makes sense.
1: And a lot of kids are playing it, mm-hmm. which is awesome because obviously awesome. we wanted to reach that younger audience, and it's good to see like they are on the box. It says eight and up, but. I know that there are five-year-olds who are playing it.
0: <laughs> One of them's named Quinn.
1: One of them's named Win Barrel. <laughs>
0: Win Barrel?
1: I don't, you know, that's his alias.
0: Oh, I thought it was uh, uh, the character, the <gasps> goblin character.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. We can't even, but, oh, my God. <laughs> did you see? Did you see a, a visual? No. Oh, you got to ask Perkins to show you this.
0: Nice. Future Quinn. There's, there's artwork for his character?
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, that's cool. Sean did it. Ah, Sean would. Nice. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, um, actually, Quinn and I just played Dungeon the other day.
0: Oh, the actual Dungeon yeah, and board the game? Dungeon
1: board game. He likes that one a lot, too. And we played uh, Married Wizards. That was his Aww. idea. I know. And he kept going up just to rooms and opening the door for me. He's like, I'm going to open this door for mommy. I'm going to make sure there's no monsters in here. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. He's so sweet.
0: He's like a fighter protector already in his heart.
1: And then he, because, you know, kindergarten. So they're learning how to read and write. Mm -hmm. And he made me a card yesterday. I guess he used, like, all of the words he's really good at. And it said, I see mom butt. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but, it like this, but it was like a beautiful picture of like a sun in a palm tree. <laughs> I see mom butt. Well,
0: I mean, it, you're his sun and stars. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 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 maybe. a moon. It's a moon, I guess, actually.
1: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I see mom butt. <laughs> he was like, I didn't know how to write moms. Say so like, I see mom's butt. Oh, I'm so like, you
0: just like mom butt.
1: I think it's just better to say mom butt. Mm?
0: It's, it's a thing. Like a dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got mom butt. <laughs> Is it like mom jeans? The like yeah. SNL. Uh, yeah, if you uh, wear mom things?
1: jeans, and you probably have mom butt,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you would love Dungeon Man.
1: <laughs> bringing it back. <laughs>
0: Very cool. Yeah. Um, are you playing in any D and D things? I keep asking, wanting you to get into my uh, West Seattle game, seeing as you're wearing a West Seattle T-shirt there.
1: Represent.
0: What's up, West Seattle um, blog?
1: I <laughs> who did an awesome article. They did. We should invite them to come to our
0: office. They may be coming on Monday. Oh,
1: stop right now. Yeah, they are. I, really?
0: I'm confirming that live on the air. It's true.
1: Do you know that their, the West Seattle blog is actually really famous and well-known nationwide in terms I, of like neighborhood blogs?
0: I did not know that until uh, the context of what's happening on Monday. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're familiar. I'm like, whoa. Oh, okay. They know everything. They know everything.
1: They probably know we're talking about them right now.
0: They're already writing an article about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They know it before it happens. It's true. If I hear a helicopter... In my neighborhood, I'm like, oh my god, get on the blog. Why is there Why, why is there a helicopter over here? And it? they tell you right. And They're already on it.
0: So what we're talking about is a uh, uh, a blog, uh, but it's basically treated like a local news yeah. uh, affiliate to a certain extent. Like they just they they cover things in real time. They cover it like a local newspaper yes. with businesses. If there's any uh, incidents that happen in our our neighborhood, uh, it's always reported there first. Uh, yes, and even um, uh, you know. I don't want to go into too much details, but like I had a, a police report that I made, and they were like, "Go check the, the West Seattle blog uh, for more information on it." I'm Like, oh, even you guys are referring to it. Like, that's crazy. Really?
1: Yeah. Wow, like, that I'm is like, amazing. That's
0: insane. So, yep. uh, yeah, West uh, Seattle.
1: Why were we up, talking about that?
0: Because you're going to play D anD D in West Seattle.
1: I do want to. It's just hard to do it on a week and evening.
0: Like it's it's hard to do it like in a time like during like any kind of twenty four hour period really, during the day. It's
1: actually just hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I don't know why it is, but I don't know. It's an adulting Kid thing. I, it
0: gets it is hard. Uh, so I. I, I hear but you I know. want
1: to. I would like to play in a game, but we do have our betrayal legacy game. Right. So we have our quality time.
0: That is rocking and rolling. Uh, even though my character just perishes all the time.
1: Mine does too. I went back and looked at my history on you write your history on the back of your character cards and I'm like, oh, uh, she's died every time.
0: It's mostly due to Pelham's character who has, I think, shot me with both a gun and a crossbow.
1: Pelham is kind of crazy and evil.
0: (laughs) But in a good way.
1: Mm, Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's always the nice one. It's
0: the horror uh, theme of Betrayal Legacy. I just like that we have now like a history. Like it's not just, you know, oh, that thing happened in that one session. And you go back and, and
1: reference your history. And I also like that our Betrayal game started with real-life betrayal with Nathan taking Kate Welch's spot.
0: Like betrayed Kate he Welch. He
1: betrayed her. Exactly. He tricked me into keeping him. He was supposed to just sub for her. Right. And he claims I didn't make that clear.
0: And then he, was, and he, then he put was the flag like, in. He's like, I well, am. I'm your boss. And so. uh, I'm in. It's true. It's true. But uh, speaking of uh, (laughs) Betrayal, uh, as well as Kate Welch, uh, she had an awesome new show uh, debut uh, in the last week. It is uh, Welch's Game Juice. Yep. It is on our Twitch channel, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Thursdays. She'll be playing through Baldur's Gate, Love it. Uh, the first Baldur's Gate game, uh, the enhanced edition uh, that uh, Beamdog came out with uh, in the recent past uh, that makes it playable on, on modern machines and updates the UI a little bit. But it's been super fun. Um, the first episode uh, made me laugh multiple, multiple yeah, times.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would watch Kate watch Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> And I would just be like, "This is the best show ever."
0: It's true. She definitely uh, commanded the presence uh, very well.
1: She's just the best.
0: She's the best. Uh, So, if you're interested in learning more about uh, Baldur's Gate in general, uh, you know it it was a very, you know, uh, groundbreaking game. I would say uh, in 1998 when it came out, Mm -hmm. Um, and it still has a lot of value now, and and definitely through the lens. of Kate Welch playing it, it's even more fun.
1: It's one of the the games that when people talk about D and D and like, oh, I used to play. They always yeah. mention Baldur's Gate. I know.
0: Even uh, uh, President of Wizards of the Coast, uh, Chris Cox, yeah. uh, he often cites that Baldur's Gate was his, you know, his first real introduction to playing uh, a D and D video game. Yeah, uh, and uh, and 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 he loves that experience for it.
1: I would have played, but I wasn't alive. then. I wasn't even born yet in 1998. <laughs> it's
0: true. Happy <laughs> 19th birthday. Uh, next week <laughs> you're getting younger and younger are you quaffing so potions weird. of longevity back yes, there yes
1: you know it mm-hmm. what kind of sorcery is happening here that's
0: what you have in your D&D mug is uh, potions of longevity yes.
1: I'm going to be just a baby probably next week <laughs>
0: oh you're Benjamin buttoning
1: it yes <laughs> and then I go right back up <laughs> and then I go right back down you're dead
0: I don't know that was, that was you as a hag for yeah. some reason.
1: Yeah. I just, kill
0: you I don't know what the, the bend, <laughs> that's bending my of a. Meter. It's like a, a oh, murder. Because
1: witches have crooked little fingers. And
0: red rum, red rum.
1: Oh, that still scares me.
0: <laughs> Even just me saying that. It, it really goes.
1: does. And I will uh, never say. Um, no, right. I can't. Bloody bloody Mary. Oh, no, you just said it. Not three times. Ooh. In a mirror.
0: Wait, what did you say?
1: Don't I'll, make, I'll make you say it don't. three times
0: and then. Uh-oh. It's got me
1: in a row. I guess that's true. That's not happening.
0: Um, you know what is going to be happening pretty soon? Tell me a uh, stage advice segment uh, where we listen to Jamie Crawford talk about uh, bonus actions.
1: I feel like we haven't done that in a while.
0: We did, uh, but we're getting back in the swing of it because Fridays oh are, are are the time for all that. So uh, yes,
1: oh yes, okay. So that was one thing I wanted to, to mention. Also, yes. our new time. Yes, but it seems like there's some new shows.
0: Yeah, there are.
1: There's like a whole. So you got to get up on on the Twitters or on the D and D website.
0: Twitch.tv slash d We have a lot of... We have a schedule up there.
1: So many good new shows.
0: There is, and we moved around. And we
1: moved around some of the the existing shows.
0: And there will be more coming up. So Rivals of Waterdeep just had their season three premiere uh, uh, last good weekend. Good to see them back. Uh, fantastic. New, new Dungeon Master uh, Sharif Jackson is taking over, uh, which is super cool because it was like uh, the first time he played Dungeons and Dragons really was in prepping for... Uh, their appearance at the stream of many eyes. Honestly, so, I just
1: don't understand how people are just like, "Oh, sure, I'll play D and D for the first time live <laughs> in front of thousands of people."
0: <laughs> yeah, some people like it; it's, uh, it totally works. But it's good to see that new generation, uh, a, a Sharif take on that mantle. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it, I haven't been able to watch it through yet, but it's it's by all accounts it rocked. Um, and then yeah, we have a, a you know D and D rewind I started doing on D and D news this. Week where a uh, three or four minute long video about recapping best moments from live play shows over the last week.
1: Oh, that's so no, that's look so for cool. That, look
0: for that on YouTube uh, on its own, but D and D Rewind. It's called D and D we'll, Rewind. I love that. I'll be showing it off uh, here on the D D channel all the time, but definitely during D and D news is when we'll premiere the oh, new one. Oh, that's the week. a
1: really good idea.
0: Yeah, because there's always fun special moments from all different
1: And from like Dragon Talk, especially. Yeah,
0: we're starting, I think, with the live play shows, but eventually we'll bring in more oh, of stuff real? from us. Uh, really? And, or, you know, studio shows as totally well as... kidding. ...around the, the, the rest of the...
1: That uh, is such diced. a good idea. Yeah. Well done.
0: Check it out. Shout out to Steve Sprinkles for, uh, for editing that. Thank up for you, us. Steve Sprinkles. Doing good stuff. Yeah. All right, let's listen to uh, my conversation with Jeremy Crawford on bonus actions starting around right about... Welcome to another segment of Sage Advice. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Mr. Jeremy Crawford. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Rocking and rolling on this Friday afternoon.
2: I am, working on several different secret D&D projects.
0: Oh, those are the best. Yeah, the best secret D&D projects ever. we,
2: We continue to be in that window of time where we... We're working on
0: a bunch of things, none of which we've announced. Exactly. <laughs> so we get to feel like super spies. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Uh, but what we can tell you about on this segment, where we dive into. Uh, the rules, you know, common rules, questions about Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, as well as the thinking behind those rules. Um, and today's topic, where we can delve into, is uh, bonus action and the timing thereof. Yeah, I, I think in the past we've talked about bonus actions on this show.
2: Uh, but I wanted us to dig a little deeper into the specific timing of everyone 's favorite little something extra on <laughs> their turn in combat the right. bonus action
0: yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's important because I think uh, you know when so much about d and d is about like that combat round right it can there's just all these weird corner cases that can sometimes pop up and, and uh, are, are not covered by the general understanding you know right. it's, it's a very simple kind of idea. you have an action, you have a move, and then sometimes you have a bonus. Yes. And so anyone uh,
2: listening who doesn't know what a bonus action is, mm-hmm. it is, as the name implies, it's a it's a extra action you get beyond the regular one. And the thing that's really important to always remember about a bonus action is you don't have one until something in the game tells you you do. This is sometimes a little confusing for people who come to 5th edition from previous editions of the game where you might have had – You know, like a standard action on your turn, a swift action or a minor action, a move action, you know, etc. Whereas in fifth, you just have an action, you just have a move. And then sometimes a thing will come along and say, hey, you get to do something extra special on this round. Now, many characters in the game don't have any bonus actions at all. Yeah. So you can just take your turn, move, action, and you're done. Right. And that was very much an intentional part of the design because playtest feedback told us over and over and over again in the D&D Next process, people want combat to go as quickly as possible. Yeah. And so we didn't want every round people thinking, well, did I do something with my minor action, with my move action, with my standard action? We want to just like – you move, you do something. Yeah, the end, or you do something and you move, or you move a little bit, you do something, and then you move some more. Because also, we we gave you total flexibility by being able to uh, break your movement up uh, throughout
0: your turn. I've definitely played with players from previous editions uh, who would do it. They're the main thing, and then ask the table, be like, "Oh, is there is there anything I can do with my minor or or other things?" And then you're right, that would just slow down combat so much. Uh, and because they were so prevalent in the, the character builds that people would be playing, you know, if you didn't perform a minor action, sometimes you felt like you were penalized right. by, by, by doing that. So mm-hmm. um, I love that 5th edition, streamlined that so that it really is a bonus action. You it don't necessarily get anything, and you don't have to constantly think each round, am I doing something with my bonus action? Right. Now, there is a class, and and
2: i think really this class in a way is the poster child of the bonus action and that is the rogue Mm -hmm. the rogue is the class who has the bonus action built into it in a really important way and that comes in at second level with the feature cunning action as soon as a rogue gets cunning action every single round in combat they get a bonus action uh And it's also important for people who might be fuzzy on how bonus actions work, that if you do get one, you can only take one on your own turn. Mm. This is distinct from, say, a reaction, which you can take any time in a round, whether it's your turn or not, as long as the trigger for the reaction is satisfied. Bonus actions only can be taken on your own turn. Right. So once the rogue gets it, rogues – get to use that bonus action to take the dash action, the disengage action, or the hide action. Each of those actions normally gobble up your entire action, but the rogue can take one of those three actions with their bonus action, leaving then their their sort of their grown-up action uh, (laughs) to do something else. Which could even be the exact same thing. Like sometimes a rogue will move and then with cunning action, dash. And then with the regular action, dash again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so rogues, you know, uh, can be very tricksy, very flexible. And that was a key part of the design that we were going for with the rogue. Now, this gets to the question of timing. Yeah. When on the rogue's turn, can they take their cunning action? The bonus action rules give us an answer. And that is if a bonus action – doesn't have a specific timing built into it, mm-hmm. you can take it any time you want on your turn. So you, before the move, after the move, before
0: your attack, for example, or after your attack, it doesn't matter.
2: It doesn't matter. You decide. And so the rogue's cunning action ability doesn't provide any timing at all in it. It just says on your turn, you get to take a bonus action, meaning the the rogue player gets to decide when this bonus action occurs on their, ter- on their turn.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, here I'll give an example though where timing is specified. And so for that, I'm going to flip in my player's handbook to the description of the monk. Because sometimes – and I, I want to bring up some examples because sometimes I get asked, well, what's an example of timing? You right. know, when, when does a bonus action tell me when I need to take it? All right. Here's, a, here's an example uh, in – Uh, The monk first actually of one that's just like the rogue and that is step of the wind. You can spend one key point to take the disengage or dash action as a bonus action on your turn. Just like cunning action, the monk player can decide whenever they want on their turn to use step of the wind. But here is an example of timing that is specific, Mm -hmm. flurry of blows. Immediately after you take the attack action on your turn, you can spend one key point to make two unarmed strikes as a bonus action. Here, the the timing is very clear. It has to be immediately after you take the attack action. Uh, And – That doesn't mean you can sort of say, well, I intend to take the attack action this turn. Could I maybe do these before? No. Mm. It's it's very clear. Immediately after. right? Uh, And also that word immediately here is also important because what that means is you can't take the attack action, maybe do a bunch – maybe do some other things in there. Yeah. You can't move, for example. Right. And then you have – your uh, bonus action. Now,
0: immediately after that attack, you can flurry. And thematically, it is boom, 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 boom. Like, you're supposed to be like, you know, you have uh, a volume of attacks that you can certainly do, and you just, it must be all at once, though. It can't be split up.
2: Right, yep. And you're, and suddenly, it is this this blur of, of fists, Bruce yeah. Lee style. Yes. Uh, now, there is also a bonus action hanging out in the rules that... Anyone can try to use as long as you are wielding uh, two weapons and each of those weapons has the light property. Mm -hmm. That gives you access to the two-weapon fighting bonus action that is in the game's combat rules. So there it says, when you take the attack action and attack with a light melee weapon that you're holding in one hand – You can use a bonus action to attack with a different light melee weapon that you're holding in the other hand. Some people will sometimes read this and think, is there timing? There is. Mm -hmm. Because it says, when you take the attack action and attack with a light melee weapon that you're holding. In other words, that use of the attack action has to happen before that bonus action occurs. Because, again, our game... Uh, And this was something I mentioned actually earlier in the week on uh, Dragon Plus. Mm -hmm. Our our game doesn't have a sort of a phase in combat where you declare what your intent is going to be. Our rules care about, about what actually happens in combat, not what you hope is going to happen. And the reason why that's important in our system is at any moment in combat, you could be interrupted. Mm. Because our system has reactions and many of our monsters have reactions, a monster could suddenly do something that deprives you of your ability to take actions, meaning you never even take this attack action, that is a precondition for this bonus action that you're about to take. Right. So, so even, even when you see something like when you take the attack action, that is much a statement of timing as the far more precise one we saw in Flurry of Blows where it says immediately after. Uh, now, the difference here is you notice two-weapon fighting doesn't say it has to be immediately after that first attack. What this means is simply – you need to take the attack action on your turn using one of the weapons. Then, at any point thereafter on your turn, you can take this other bonus action. So there you do have a little bit of flexibility. Hmm. Once that precondition is met, then from then till the end of your turn,
0: you can drop in the bonus action. That's interesting because I don't think a lot of players uh, who use uh, two-weapon fighting really take advantage of that. Uh, because it is perfect for positioning and 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 all that uh, uh especially even after uh say defeating one monster with the first attack and then being able to move to advance on another one and use your second attack uh but that makes it even easier you know exactly and that
2: that flexibility-ism is intentional mm-hmm. so that you can fell one you know one of the goblins and then maybe if you have movement left get over to that other one and take them out too. Exactly. So,
0: yeah, I love that you're, you're, you're taking away and giving, uh, you know, advantages as well with, with this conversation. <laughs> right, right. And,
2: and again, everyone should keep in mind, the idea is you have control about bonus action timing entirely on your turn except for the specific ways a rule might limit it. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that just to drive home that people shouldn't add extra limits like the two-weapon fighting rule doesn't say that second attack must be immediately after the first one mm-hmm. because it doesn't say it has to be. It doesn't have to be. It just needs to be sometime after and, and our rules are generally to- very lenient. Until that very moment when they're not, right? Uh, and again, it's it's important for DMs and players to not imagine
0: extra restrictions there that are not actually in the rules. And that's I think that's a common theme in how you respond to uh, folks on Twitter when they're asking questions like that, where you're like, "Yes, and it is said so exactly." At this point, you know, we're like, "These are the words. When the words come together in this way, this is what they mean." <laughs> right. Uh, and and this is a perfect example where it's like just just listen and and comprehend. Uh, if you can, uh, you know how the care and, and energy that you guys put to make sure that uh, uh, a, a lot of these cases could be adjudicated, right, right, by what's written as is not what you imagine is the rule, right. And often, I will get asked sometimes
2: not only about the timing of a bonus action, but many other things in the rule. People will ask me, "Is it this way for balance reasons?" Now that's always kind of a loaded question, mm-hmm. partly because almost everyone means something different when they say the word balance. Right. Uh, in in game design, there is not actually a universally shared definition for what balance means. What balance means can change from game to game, depending on you know is it a game that has symmetrical balance versus asymmetrical balance? Are we talking about uh, people having equal opportunities to shine? Are we talking about people having identical damage output? Are we talking about
0: comparing resilience? Or, or trying to uh, remove um, uh, specific combinations of rules that could be advantageous? Like a lot of people think that's what balance means. Right. And, and so that's why it, it's often difficult for me to answer questions
2: about uh, balance without first understanding what the questioner means by the word balance. But going back to this topic, I do get asked sometimes, is is the timing of bonus actions in the rules, is it all there for balance reasons? Mm -hmm. And I I think usually when I'm asked that question, I'm being asked, well, if I as a DM lifted the restriction, am I going to break the game? I can't give a general answer to that because the specific timing we give, there are reasons for doing that timing are different for every single bonus action feature. Mm. What I can say is a common theme in our timing decisions, not only with bonus actions but also things like reactions, is to make the play experience as smooth as possible. We want to make it so that it's clear when you can do a thing and then make that thing resolve quickly and get it off stage as quickly as possible. And so sometimes we will make decisions mostly motivated by keeping the game moving More than we're worried about somebody doing too much damage or, you know, having uh, too many hit points or too high of an AC. Often it's much more we don't want this game to get completely bogged down by all of these different sort of if-then statements coming in from the rules and you having to process, well, which of these conditional things happens first. We like it to be very straightforward. And it's it's why – uh, we limit things like bonus actions to only one on your turn. Why we limit reactions to, you know, once you take one, you can't take another one until the start of your next turn. Because otherwise
0: they would chain and chain and chain yeah. until and things just, would slow down. Exactly. Yeah. And that, in some ways, you know, uh, uh, the pace of the game being a goal, you know, uh, having a character do a massive amount of damage increases the pace. Because then <laughs> yes. the fight is now done and you can move on to, to a different uh, uh, challenge. Right. Now... people people who value
2: high damage output and I say that because uh, it's important to remember that different players value different things about their characters some people value their character having high survivability far more than they value dealing a lot of damage still other players value way more the ability to help their friends whether it's through healing or buffing or just making them laugh than they ever value how much damage do they deal or how much damage can they take uh and now I completely lost where I was going with that.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. <laughs> uh, it might, might derail you even further, but uh, get to spellcasting. Uh, yes. So, so bonus actions, I think, are a big part of the reason why um, some spells have more versatility and, and usefulness in combat versus others. So I'm thinking of Healing Word, for example. Right. Is one of the, uh, my favorite healing spell because you can do that while still uh, uh, performing your main action for the round.
2: And... Bonus action spells are a great example of bonus actions in the game, where you get to decide when it happens on your turn because mm-hmm. there's no timing specified. It's just hey, you can cast the spell as a bonus action. It means any time on your turn you can unleash unleash its magic, and and it is also it's something extra. Yeah. Uh, and that is that that is the advantage of something like healing world word as you said because. Cure Wounds, which gobbles up your whole action, is a more potent healing spell, but healing word doesn't take your whole action. So when you really desperately need to do more than one thing on your turn, that bonus action spell is particularly valuable. Now, as a side note, one of the rules that often trips people up is the rule on bonus action spells that if you cast one on your turn, you can't cast any other spells unless the other spells are uh, cantrip with a casting time of one action. Mm-hmm. I get I get asked, in fact, even today on Twitter, I got asked, <laughs> why does that rule exist, and why does it pertain only to bonus action spells? That was something we put into the game fairly late in the development, honestly, because we were afraid of, uh, with the introduction of bonus action spells, uh, too much complexity piling up on a spellcaster's turn. Mm. And <clears throat> we wanted to make it that if you were doing that something extra with spell casting, because spells tend to be the most complex things in the game, we didn't want you to then, you know, I cast this bonus action spell that might might be a little complex, and then I bring in this full action spell it's also complex. that's, you know, a six level full action spell that's like, you know, crazy complicated and everyone gets to watch me take my turn for 15 minutes.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, so, that rule largely exists to keep the game moving, mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was a way for us to future-proof because we didn't know in future books, you know, what we might decide to design and assign. You know, when we got to that spells casting time, assign bonus action to it. We just wanted to make it like whatever we designed for the life of this edition. If you cast a bonus action spell, the only other th- only other spell that you could cast on your turn is a cantrip
0: uh, to just keep. Keep things simple. Keep things straightforward. Um, but because this is an exception-based game, though, too, you know that also, you know, the rules in place um, allows you to. And I'm not saying you would, should, or would do this, but you know, say a spell could be written that uh, breaks that rule that says this spell, you know, you are able to cast both a bonus action spell and a main action spell, and then that would increase the value of that spell. Oh, for, sure. For a versatile spellcaster. Or
2: or we could build something like that into a class feature. Right. Um, that is the beauty of an exce- exceptions-based game
0: is that we always have the liberty of breaking our own rules. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then hopefully that would be uh, uh, something that uh, would not be done all the time. Right. Uh, you know, but it yeah. would be a special moment that you could allow that spellcaster to chant. I'm thinking of almost like a Doctor Strange type level of thing where he's doing this, but he's also doing this at the same time. And you would want to make that feel really special. But yeah. it would only feel special if you had that rule in place, right, and and here's the thing. Thankfully, uh, even with
2: the bonus action rule in place, I often see uh, sorcerers in particular in play mm. feeling special when, pardon me, they take uh, they use the uh, quicken spell metamagic option to turn something into a bonus action spell, right, and again, just that feeling of of that something extra. Uh, i've often seen sorcerer players their their you know their eyes sort of glimmering as they they figured out this awesome combo on their own turn because they used quicken spell and they turned uh, one of their spells into a bonus action spell so well, it also is... dealing lots of damage with their cantrip spell <laughs> yes. on that same turn yeah yeah exactly Yeah, uh, uh cuz it, it it is also easy to forget just how juicy many cantrips are especially as you get up to higher levels yeah uh it I mean, some of them can uh, be really uh, significant in terms of the amount of damage they deal. Some of them also have, uh, at every level, uh, amazing utility. Uh, You know, a spell like Mage Hand never goes out of style. And I probably have seen more story pivotal things done with spells like Mage Hand than I have with any uh, particular damage spell. And Minor Illusion Uh, as well. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where people figure out, you know, wonderfully clever things to do. With their uh, utility magic.
0: Exactly. So is there any, uh, you know, uh, a guiding light you can give to folks who uh, have questions about bonus actions and how they can use in comment? Like, is there like a rule of thumb you kind of always use as a dungeon master that allows just the Uh, pace of the game to to progress?
2: Yeah, I think the the main one when it comes to, to timing is just remember, if a bonus action says nothing at all about... Something else that must occur, uh, you know, it doesn't say anything about this one thing happens immediately after another. If it just says, hey, you have this bonus action and you can take it on your turn, the player gets to decide when that happens. Mm-hmm. Or the DM gets to decide if it's a monster with a bonus action. Right. But a little behind the scenes thing, we rarely give monsters bonus actions and that's on purpose. Uh, because <clears throat> the DM already has a plenty to manage. And we have found that often if we put a bonus action in a monster, the DM forgets it's there. Mm -hmm. And then it turns into a little bit of feel-bad design where maybe after the session, the DM glances at the stat block and realizes, oh, goodness, this creature had this bonus action they could have been using every round, and I forgot
0: to have them do it. And it also adds more um, uh, weight, I suppose, to the creatures that have layer actions and other such things, basically giving them... Their own bonus action, but it's something that is more thematic and tells the story. Like they're, they're that much more powerful when they're in their home turf.
2: Exactly. And things like layer actions and legendary actions, which are very similar to bonus actions in terms of sort of game design theme, being that they're that something extra. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they're a better user experience for a DM than a bonus action is because they're so prominent in the stat block and they are, as you say, expressing the, the narrative theme of this very special and often very scary uh, monster. Exactly. I uh, I wanted to actually bring up another uh, example or two of bonus action timing, sure. Especially ones that uh, spark debates uh, online. Uh, one uh, that has sparked a number of debates uh, is the bonus action that's in the uh, shield master feat. Mm. And and here, I'll test you about what what is the timing of this bonus action. All right. It says, if you take the attack action on your turn, you can use a bonus action to try to shove a creature within five feet of you with your shield. If you take uh, the attack action on your turn... You can use a bonus action to shove a creature within five
0: feet of you with your shield. I say you could do that anytime <clears throat> after you have taken the attack action. Exactly. Uh, there,
2: there have been uh, a variety of <laughs> arguments back and forth, uh, unfortunately spurred by a somewhat um, uh, clipped tweet i did several years ago oh no <laughs> yes i it was i i read it afterward and it's like i don't even remember tweeting this mm. and so i've told people Online, like disregard oh,
0: disregard that tweet. I deleted it. Did you like send it before you thought you you were finished or something? I like am that?
2: not sure. There have been a few times where I've answered. I've made the mistake of answering rules questions like in the in the line at Trader Joe's, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and sometimes like if the the teller is talking to me or you know I'm I'm getting text messages and I'm tweeting at rules and oh, sometimes that does not turn out well. So the, I actually I I've made a personal policy. I no longer do that because I love f- that
0: image of of Jeremy Crawford like. you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you, you press send in that line, and then a, a million D and D rules nerds, you know, cried out in in, in pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The few the
2: few times I have I have retracted one of my uh, rulings on Twitter and uh, said, whoa, 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 ignore that old tweet. Yeah. I'll delete it. I think every single time it's been a circumstance like that. <laughs> I was at I was in you know in the line at a grocery store, or I might have been waiting for somebody. At a bar, and was even you know has way through a drink. <laughs> it's like so now. It's like I I only answer rules questions if I'm at my desk at work, or I'm you know quietly at home with my D and D books nearby. That's so amazing. I, so I am in the right state of mind. <laughs> uh, so with Shieldmaster, uh, uh, to get back to it, yes, indeed, your answer was correct. You get an A on the test, Woo! Greg. Nice uh, the. The attack action has to happen on your turn uh, before you can do this bonus action. But uh, you can move in between there, so that's at, important, right? Absolutely, because this does not have that uh, immediately after bit. Uh, it also doesn't specify that the creature you shove is even a creature you attacked with that attack action. So again, I bring that up to to drive home for people. There's still a lot of flexibility in a bonus action uh, that might have one of these preconditions as this one does. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, you, you use your attack action attacking whomever or whatever, and then you can take this bonus action anytime thereafter on your turn uh, against really a creature of your choice.
0: And uh, that, I mean, like the feats are designed to do, it just gives more options to a, a melee combatant player, you know, so that you know it doesn't just feel like, all right, I can... <laughs> Attack and then bash with shield, and then that's all I do. You're like, no, you can actually make a a, you know, not necessarily cinematic, but like that idea of of a tactical maneuver that a, a, a fighter or a melee combatant should should really have. Yeah, to to get that flavor out.
2: Now, now this option in particular, there are, there are I must say a number of people really wishing that they could they could use this bonus action and then take their attack action because if you do it that way, you essentially if you knock the person prone. You then have advantage on all of your attack rolls against them if you're attacking uh, within five feet. Mm. But the, that was not the intent of, of this feat. Uh, we very intentionally did not design it to work that way uh, because otherwise we might as well have just said, and you have advantage on all your attack rolls, which was not the intent. Uh, this was you, know, you, you, you whack somebody and then you decide to knock somebody else down or the same person down who you were just attacking. And then, if they don't get up on your subsequent turn, you will have adva- you can have advantage on your attack rolls against them, and even more importantly, your buddies are going to have advantage on their melee attack rolls against them. Again, if those attacks are within five feet of the person, and in my my Twitter talk about this feat in particular, I've lo- I've loved to really drive home the fact that features like this Shieldmaster bonus action, but many others in the game as well are not only there to be satisfying to the person who uses them, they're often there to also set up combos with your friends right. uh, because the Indie at its heart is a co-op game and there can be such an amazing satisfaction when different characters' abilities interlock and you really felt like you were working as a team. And that's an experience we strive for in our design. Mm -hmm. Uh, We not only want each person to feel like they have a moment in the spotlight, but we want the group to feel like it's in the spotlight. That, hey, we came together as this well-oiled machine and took down this fight. Sometimes many – well, actually – a lot of the time, a D and D group is not a well-oiled machine, but still <laughs> manages to work together and pull something off spectacular.
0: Yeah. Well, what, and what I like about this design, uh, differently than other editions, was that when um, those type of push and pull type things would happen in the, uh, you know, when, when you're dealing with a grid and things like that, and all of the bonus actions that happened in uh, previous editions. There, so much of the conversation around the thing would be like, "Well, if you do X, then I can do this, and there was this almost negotiation that happened between players, not characters, about how to best win the board game right and I like this because it just means I can do this thing, and then if anybody can take advantage of that, and literally the mechanic is called advantage <laughs> right uh, and I, I think it just makes it feel so much more streamlined, mm-hmm. and the pace you know continues where it doesn't get bogged down and you know, player to player negotiation,
2: and, and and that is that is ever our goal. Yeah, uh, to really make it easy for people to have a good time and to work together and to feel good about that collaboration at the table. Whether it's the players collaborating in their dis- their tactical decision making, or it's the characters coming together in the story uh, to pull off uh,
0: some great feat. Yeah, and I love that. You know, if 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 a if a player does this, uh, or you know. I, their character does this, that there's an in-character statement or something that says, I knocked him down. Now it's your time to to, to do this, you know, yeah. uh, and, and keep that flowing. And, and again, this makes it feel like that's way more possible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Any other uh, uh, timing examples uh, uh, that come up often? Uh, a couple things I would bring up in
2: closing uh, is, and it's only loosely tied to timing, uh, but sometimes people wonder, can they can they uh, take a bonus action option as an action? Uh, like, hey, you know, I have this ability where it says I can do blah 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 as a bonus action. Could I use my action to do that thing instead? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. We designed bonus actions to always just be bonus actions. Huh. Uh, they're they're not meant to. You're not meant to sort of have this currency, you know, where you're you're
0: swapping your actions around. Uh, but, but honestly, that, how would that affect the rules if you were doing a bonus action as a, as a regular action? So in some cases, it won't
2: affect the rules at all. Uh, the, the bonus actions where it would be safest for a DM to allow them to be used as an action are the ones that have no timing specified. Uh, those in, you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to see no ripple effect in your game in terms of sort of negative play experience consequences. It's the bonus actions that have really specific timing uh, often would not translate right uh, into a full-fledged action uh, because we wrote them as this little something extra writing on this other thing happening. I see. Uh, But the ones that, yeah, have no timing specified, most of the time if a DM says, yeah, fine, if you really for whatever reason – want to cast Healing
0: Word using your full action, knock yourself out. Mm. Um, I mean, I guess because then it just becomes semantics. really yeah. It's like wh- yeah. you're, you're doing the thing as a bonus action, but it doesn't affect anything else in the combat rules, so it doesn't really matter. Maybe you can call it your standard action, but it really doesn't matter.
2: Right. And um, now, one of the main reasons why I advise against doing doing that kind of swapping of, Taking one of your bonus actions but using your full action to do that bonus action thing. Uh, I recommend not doing it mostly because it could just slow the game down. Because if, if you suddenly start uh, deconstructing the game in that way mm. where you're trying to kind of eke out every bit of tactical optimization, you really risk – leeching out the narrative oomph at the table Mm. where suddenly instead of thinking about the awesome story that's unfolding, this, you know, it might be this life or death battle you're having with a black dragon. If instead you're fretting about how to exchange one action, you know, a bonus action for an action or vice versa, you know, know? (laughs) that could could become very technical and rather than it being a story— you're a, it's almost like you're looking you're no longer looking at this uh, beautiful building instead you're looking at scaffolding yeah uh, and and that's that's also a thing we always want to avoid because we want the focus to be on the exciting story and so for me I often encourage people just run it the way it's written not again out of any anxiety that oh my god the game's going to break or you're quote unquote doing it wrong it's no, actually, it's because I want people to relax. <laughs> it's like basically let the rules handle the, you know, the all the crunchy stuff, and just get back to the story you're telling. Uh, because I find that the more groups get caught up in the infrastructure often the more the story starts fading into the distance. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the game, it's like rather than having, you know, those great stories that so many of us have at the end of a session about the crazy thing that happened today in, in our game of D&D, instead it's like, well, what do we have? Well, we talked about the action economy. <laughs> like And, and right. you know, I enjoy that kind of conversation, but I'm a game designer and I'm also a big gaming nerd. But as much as I enjoy that kind of discussion, that's not why I sit
0: down to play D&D. It's a very different, uh, right brain, left brain type of, uh, you know, satisfying thing that's happening yeah. when that occurs. So yeah, yeah. I think that's good yeah. advice all around. And, uh, I am very happy to trust, uh, you and the rest of the wonderful designers who have put all of the time and energy in testing this, uh, edition and making it sing the way it has. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh. Yeah. I want, to, I want to concentrate on the story, too. <laughs> that makes good sense. <laughs> uh, the, one other bit, because uh, I said there were two. There were two. Uh,
2: is uh, object interactions. Hmm. Sometimes people uh, will mistake the free little object interaction you get on each of your turns for a bonus action. It is not. Uh, in the combat rules, we let you know that on your turn, you get this thing we call a free object interaction. And that can be drawing your sword, opening a door, uh, swigging back some ale from a tanker that might be in your hand. Whatever it is, you can do it during your move or during your action. And I often, since uh, I used to spend a lot of time, especially in my youth as an actor on stage, I think of that free object interaction as stage business. You you get on each of your little scenes, you get a little bit of free stage business. Uh, and then if you want more, if you want to do more than one bit of stage business, you're going to have to spend your action on it uh, using usually the use an object uh, uh, action, uh, which is also in the combat rules. But that little interaction should not be confused with the bonus action. It doesn't use your bonus action up. Uh, and also sometimes I've seen people think that, well, we all have a bonus action to do that little bit of stage business. That's not actually the case. Um, rogue, uh, rogues who have the thief subclass, they have that as an mm. option. Uh, but other characters do not. What about um, crying? Is that a free action? (laughs) I would – so I would let tears stream down your cheeks, (laughs) uh, not requiring any action at all. Okay. And and I also would not have it consume your object interaction.
0: Excellent. All right.
2: It is is just part of the tapestry of your narrative. Yeah. And I'm – I am because I'm in a good mood today. I'm gonna
0: think it, it's because your character is crying tears of joy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that this black dragon is melting my face off. <laughs>
2: yeah, not because you're in horrible agony <laughs> yeah. or just all your hopes have just shattered. Just shattered.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're of course talking about the black dragon because we have uh, uh, a uh, Whiz Kids black dragon uh, plaque that we recently ha- have in the office that looks amazing.
2: Yeah. So that just the present of presence of that plaque, I think, in me to be thinking of black
0: dragons. (laughs) I immediately, when you said black dragon, I was like the first image that popped in my hand and I hope a lot more people, uh, you know, are able to pick that up and do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, any way people can get in touch with you on Twitter, uh, to ask you more about bonus action timing? Uh, I am at Jeremy E. Crawford on Twitter
2: and, uh, if I get back to you about bonus action timing, I promise not to do it in the line at Trader Joe's. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and the E stands for Action Economy. Wow. <laughs> it, in fact, stands for Eric. My middle
0: name. Ah, I know, I know, but we can change it. We can. <laughs> economy is where it's at. Thank you so much, as always, uh, Jeremy, for for coming in to chat about this stuff. Oh, my pleasure. I love it. All right. Thanks, you guys. We'll be back next week with another segment.
1: that was a really good segment talking to Jeremy. Always, always is. I love
0: that we will, basically when we're planning out these segments, we'll be like, well, we'll talk for that as much as we can. And then that ends up being, you know, 40 minutes.
1: But it's always brain dump. good
0: stuff. It's always great stuff. Yeah, because I hear... The thought process behind all of uh, the rules that are in the player's handbook, and yes. I think people get a kick and out of that. It's very
1: thoughtful. It is very thoughtful, yeah. and it goes through
0: all of uh, the thought process. He's along the way.
1: I just don't know that, like maybe someone who's not definitely doesn't work in game design, and mm-hmm. maybe someone who's not as entrenched in the community knows, like just like your your regular average person, probably doesn't think. This much thought goes into rules, game rules. Definitely. But it, there's so much.
0: There is so much. And people don't realize how many iterations there are. You know, I think the playtest uh, for D&D Next was a clue yes. into that to a certain extent, but there were so many iterations that occurred uh, leading up to the ones that were released to the public right. that you didn't even see. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is fascinating.
1: Playtest is fascinating.
0: Playtesting is fascinating. You've been doing some of that, haven't you? I have. For things. For things. It's always your favorite part of the job, I think. I love it. Yeah. You know, getting I the do. feedback.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is there like good feedback versus like feedback that you're like, oh, I can't really do anything with that piece of information. I
1: will tell you that that is 100% true. Now, sometimes people don't want to play test because they feel like, oh, I don't know enough about game design to give you good feedback. I'm mm. like, you're exactly the kind of people we want to play test, especially if it's meant to be like a, a casual party game. You're exactly who we want. Yeah. Did you have fun? Did you understand the rules? Did it make sense to you? Yes. 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 Great. That's excellent feedback. And some people get confused and they maybe lost and that that mars their experience Mm. or it's like they literally didn't have a good hand and then they're like, well, this game, this is poop.
0: Oh, yeah. So like
1: you have to be like that's not constructive. Like that's just like you didn't. You, the, you didn't have good cards. Well, sorry. right, or the roll of the dice <laughs> but, didn't go your way. Right. So like, that's not like okay. a badly
0: designed game when that yeah, happens. Yeah,
1: like you you rolled low on your attack. That's not the game's not broken. Right. That's not like that's not what we're looking for. I'm mean, I'm sorry that you lost or your player died. <laughs> right. Or your I character mean,
0: it, died. I I can understand that uh that bit because you're like uh you know, you have a small sample size. Yep. It's like when you have a larger sample size of games that you play, then you're like, "All right, well, I mean, if you had that feedback after playing 20 games, you're like, I've lost every single time.
1: Yes. You know, because of a specific excellent. thing. And that's, that's good feedback. But, but if you then just we lost, we need to once, know, like, well, something's overpowered here. Right. Something you're doing is underpowered. So, yes. Yeah. We need to know that. But it, like a couple of them I was watching, I'm like, that is 100% not what happened. Thank you for your playtest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> goodbye. I'm like, goodbye. Yeah, okay. I'm like, goodbye now. But, uh, it, uh, but it, it, playtesting is, is hard.
0: And it actually, people don't realize it can be a, a, a skill unto itself, too, at least. Putting in the feedback, like I think I've realized, yes. like I, I like playtesting sometimes, but there is a frustration for me when, especially in a digital realm, where I'm like, I don't know, like I, I'd, I'd rather just play a game that's done yeah. sometimes, yeah, in my spare time rather than a unfinished game because there's, you know, it takes amount of work and effort to like, to create that good feedback. It's kind
1: of like being an editor, yeah. You know, like it's you ha- you gotta have good feedback. Like you have to like see the broken bit and then know. Have a solution for the fix, right. and I'm I'm not a good editor, but um, and I'm not really a good playtester,
0: or a good person. I'm not really, really. I'm not really good at
1: anything, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> or
1: a good podcast host.
0: I don't think that's good feedback for yourself. Uh, you should be giving yourself more positive is it feedback. it time
1: for my my review. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just did. Don't it. let my boss. Le- Please listen don't to this. let
1: Nathan hear this podcast. Uh, but um, I don't, I, I don't have a good memory because I don't remember what I was. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. yeah. um, I oh no, I, I can play something and I can say, I don't know why, but this doesn't, it feels like this is wrong, mm. which is really exciting for game designers. They love that feedback.
0: Right. When they're like, this just feels it's not just, right. It feels. Can like you this, articulate why? No, nope, nope. Don't know how to
1: fix that, but I just feel like this thing that just happened shouldn't have happened. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean,
0: I, I get there's, there's shades of that, but I bet that could also be instructive feedback on an emotional level being like, hey, this game just didn't make me feel like I had a mastery or I could ever right. get a mastery. Right. And that's something that I think could could uh, be instructive to, to game sure. designers. Or
1: like, this game feels like it took way too long. Like, that to me says you have some over complexity going on here, right. and I don't know where to shave that from, but I feel like I am taking, it's taking, my turn's taking too long or something like that. Yes. So, anyway. It is it is a good skill to be a, a good play tester.
0: Right, and recognize uh, whether you got that But in some
1: cases, I really like to just see newish people play something and mm-hmm. how quickly they picked it up and how quickly they understood the rules and how much fun they were having as I'm watching them play. Yeah, and I, that's just as valuable. Sometimes. The
0: nonverbal feedback uh, is yep. probably even more valuable. So that's why it's good having you there. And that is a skill that you, I think, are really good at is uh, uh, empathy in a certain way. Like you know what people are feeling even if they can't. Uh, articulate it.
1: Like right now, you are feeling mildly frustrated <laughs> and your headphones are uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I take all that back. You are not good
1: at <laughs> I'm not. Empathetic.
0: No, that's actually pretty true. I need to adjust my you headphones. You have an itch on um, the back
1: of your neck right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Did you just cast a spell? <laughs> Diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And
1: that is why you tune into Dragon Talk.
0: For all of those <laughs> uh, callbacks. We will just uh, change
1: it the name to Potty Talk.
0: Speaking of potty humor <laughs> and uh, callbacks that comedians use, let's go talk to some two comedians. Let's do it. Let's
1: talk to people who are genuinely funny.
0: And way funnier <laughs> uh, in uh, in an interview form. So let's go talk to Dan Telfer and Blaine Kampach from Nerd Poker. Nerd Poker. Poker. Uh, welcome Dan Telfer and Blaine Kepatch. How's it going? Hey. Did I I pronounce Kepatch correctly? You did. Sweet. Yeah. It's, it's
4: also, it's also, it's a very sweet name. It's a great name. Very sweet name. It
1: makes me want to say Kapow.
4: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it used to be Capaccio, but it was misspelled in the, in the mines of central Pennsylvania when my grandfather worked
0: there. Didn't we say that? Didn't we
1: before? Yeah.
0: Capaccio Or, or Gaspachio. You've heard all those jokes, and I apologize in advance.
4: Oh, I usually like get cabbage, cabbage patch, Comanche, cow patch. Whoa. Patchy. Well, we
1: also, weren't nearly uh, as creative money, as we thought. Miami. Yeah. <laughs> I like it.
0: <laughs> well, welcome. Uh, and uh, you guys uh, just started a brand new campaign uh, on the Nerd right. Poker Podcast.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. It's d- our third of the reboot, fifth overall campaign.
0: How did how has been the reception so far? That went up on uh Tuesday, so about 4 days, 3 days before this interview.
3: As, far as I can tell, not a lot of complaints. Uh <laughs> it's 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 both fun and terrifying to start all over.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the thing of D&D campaigns though, right? Like, you know, that's a very uh common occurrence I guess in home games, uh right? But I don't think anybody has done it 5 times like you have uh have have done.
3: No, I, I This podcast has been around seven years. Oh,
1: see, we were, you know, we were just saying before that you guys were kind of pioneers of this whole D&D podcasting thing.
3: It's a little terrifying because it started as a, as like a comedy podcast with some D&D in there. And and these guys, you know, I was, I was telling Blaine earlier, I'm like the Shemp of nerd poker. I came in after (laughs) this
4: for a while and uh, I I prefer Shemp. Well, <laughs> okay.
3: very nice. you know
4: what they say is Pepsi okay? I go, yeah, yeah. How about Shem? Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the Mr. Pib of this soda machine. Um, if he was RC, we, this conversation would be over. Right. Was,
3: it's true. But yeah, like uh, it, it, it comedy was like the focus, and it's really funny how since this podcast started, all these phrases like real play and actual play have started like showing up that didn't really exist when the podcast started. And like we get compared to a lot of standards that have like evolved and become concrete, like while we were off doing dumb jokes. So it's like, now uh, now what's,
4: what's real play?
0: Uh, I guess real play would be, uh, just put on a camera and just see people playing, you know, with no, real thought to the, the extreme en- entertainment value of it. Is there something. editing so meta context. in a real play? Yeah.
4: Okay. So it's just it's just watching people cold. Right. And, all, and then all play is what? Sorry, these are... Just, are we all play or is it actual play? I don't know
3: what we are. Play,
0: I don't know. I don't know exactly. I don't know. Maybe we need to have like a, a determined, you know, like what are the definitions for these for these terms? Right. Because I kind of use them interchangeably too.
1: Yeah, I feel like those two are the same.
3: I know I was telling Greg over email a couple weeks ago, like I find it really confusing how people keep referring to our campaigns as arcs. Yeah. Like, I, I, that's, that, I think, came with the Adventure Zone, guys. And, like, I, I, it sounds very presumptuous. Like, when you say arc, it sounds like, oh, these characters will definitely live. Like, we would never kill these characters. And that seems very, like, the antithesis of Dungeons & Dragons to me. Like, if there's no sense your character could explode into a thousand blood molecules from one bad dice roll, it doesn't really feel like Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah,
1: it feels like like there's already a predetermined story. Like, you know, right. but you, in D&D, you don't always know. Like, you can have no, a, a guide, but... I try, but to, I try to, to cook up story
3: out. elements and then let these guys actually guide the story. I, don't, I, I try to cook up characters and places and give them as much detail as I can and then fill in, you know... Like, I think this is what everybody really does. Like, you, get, you fill in the finer details as they approach it. So, like, if you know the session coming up, they're near all these things, you spend a couple of days writing about those things and giving them numbers but i don't go like oh this character has to show up at this point yeah. or or like this is this i will force them to have a stake in this thing i let them decide that's all that's
4: dragons this. lair not dungeons <laughs> and dragons for gosh sake oh dragons <laughs> lair man use your imagination
0: gosh that laser disc game dragons lair <laughs> never was able to get past like screen 2 dink
4: dink, dink. It would Make a dink sound then you knew when you were supposed to it, it was it, it's a, a game on rails is no fun it's fun to watch but yeah. you know, it's it's it might as well be. It's a small world. It feels
3: less exactly. like a game. It feels more like you're just a you're, you're in radio theater. I would think. Right. Which yeah. I don't have anything really yeah. against. But. Uh,
0: and I think the arc that type of language is better in hindsight when you're like, okay, well, they've you know this the, these characters have gone through, you know, a, a significant enough change where you can be like, all right, well, this right. is kind of like that chapter. But you don't know that as a dungeon master or a player. It. You know, even while you're in it, or even like even the ultimate episode, you might not even know it.
3: Yeah, and, like, these guys just played characters for two and a half years. And I was like, you know, in real life, that's about how long a character ought to live. I mean, like, I get that, like... Joe Manganiello's had his little Arkan boy running around hell for like a decade and a half. But um, right.
0: But even him, he's got other characters that he pulls out when he's like, ah, I'm bored with Arkan, Let's go do something else. He's
3: a Big enough celebrity where he can just go do a drop in eight hour session any day of the week and get all that sweet experience points. You
0: know, Man, so. I want to I want to do that. I want to just be able to be like, I'm playing on this on Monday and that I on feel Thursday. Like you could. Yeah. I, all right, I got to schedule it out.
4: You know, I, yeah. a, lot, a lot of people compare me to Joe Manganiello, and they, they go, you know, Blaine, what is it about you you that's so Manganiello ish? <laughs> is it yeah? Is it the Pecs? It's probably is the it, Pecs. Uh, is it the film career? Is it the uh, the hot wife? What, what is it, Blaine? And I go, hey, you know what? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about myself or bring Joe Manganiello in.
1: <laughs> he probably gets sick of the comparisons too. I know to he's you. like,
0: "Why are they always comparing yeah. me to Blaine?"
4: <laughs> I know it's. Uh, uh, I'm just glad that my wife has Aquaman to kick around now, and Joe Manganiello is out of the picture.
0: Right, that's right.
4: Just kind of jumped off under the Jason Momoa thing.
0: I just was rewatching Game of Thrones the first season, so I'm going back on that train too. I think.
4: Oh, that's right.
0: Oh, Jason oh yeah.
1: Mom- yeah.
0: Poor, yeah. Poor, poor, poor Drogo! I, I don't think he survives. Yeah. Uh, Spoiler alert. Do you
1: have, do you have a, just like a weird sense that. I
0: have a weird sense that something's going to go wrong nah. from me reading the books 20 years ago. <laughs> Who could possibly harm those giant almond like pectoral muscles? Exactly. I mean, they like, wouldn't
1: kill any of those characters. I know. That's silly. It's, yeah, that's That's dumb. silly. I mean, that's Sean Bean
0: enough. is a consummate actor. Why would you fire him, it's right? Kind it's kind of like, like he's a had a tragic
3: death now. in every role he's ever played.
0: <laughs> now. When you, he was a
3: Bond villain, it was like, this is not going to go well for that guy.
0: For England, James? Double O six.
4: How about uh or or John Ford Coley? Oh I'm sorry, Eng- that's England Dan. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, are we still are we still working without sound? <laughs> <laughs> sound isn't working.
0: I feel like that was like a Russian nesting doll of references that I <laughs> unraveled. That's
4: plain. <laughs> I that, listen, I just ate a Poquito Moss and then walked back here really fast in the sun. It was oh, really man. it was really cold last night and then today it's like super hot oh, already.
3: You guys Los Angeles in January, 30 degrees at night, 100 degrees in the midday.
1: It's like right? Seattle in the summer.
0: Yeah. It's like Seattle. a desert. It is a desert.
1: Well, I just ate a can of beans before this interview. <laughs> so,
3: oh, sweet. Hormel or Trader Joe's?
1: Uh, uh, the um, Kroger generic <laughs> branch. <laughs> oh, <fine>. Okay.
4: <laughs> Oh man, that that's like that's like the R C Cola of beans.
1: Yeah, it is. You can get a four pack for three dollars and twenty-five cents.
4: <laughs> You're <laughs> definitely not gonna get a six pack
0: of We'll no. be right we, back.
4: <laughs> 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 that was a rushing uh, uh, doll lying there in the parking lot with a bottle on his
0: hand. Oh my gosh. So uh, uh, going back to the podcast, uh, <laughs> Blaine, you started so you were in the original uh, cast makeup? Yeah. Well, this game kind of came out
4: of a campaign that we played for years and years and Mm -hmm. years. It was, uh, it started out, out, it was Brian Posehn, me, Patton Oswalt, Jerry Duggan, Ken Daly, uh, Chris Hardwick was in there and, uh, and we would just play for fun. We would usually play on Sundays from noon till five or six for years and years and years. And we had very, uh, supportive, uh, significant others. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it just sort of, we just had, it just went through so many incarnations and everybody wanted to get it on the air somehow. And I, I think Brian just said, let's just call it nerd poker because that's what it is. It's just nerds playing poker. It's a poker game. Right. Yeah. You know, you're, you're playing a game and you're talking about other stuff and the game is kind of incidental or, or it's completely eclipsing everything else. But, uh, and so I guess we went on to Earwolf first. I don't really, rem- yes. I don't re- really
3: remember too much. I remember uh and i don't uh, smoke i don't smoke the marijuana drugs like some people
4: <laughs> but, but, but what, The who? Uh, i'll never be senator uh our our uh, Stay our senator, dungeon bro. master was sark this guy scott robeson uh the legendary sark and he was such a, an absolute fantastic dungeon master mm-hmm. we had met him at a party i guess before we started playing he was just a friend of a friend and he told us a story about how he had uh Got rid of all his gaming stuff when he was a kid. All his old games, his Gamma World, his oh, Top love, Secret, his Blue I, Hills and stuff. I know where the story is going. It's yeah. an amazing story. And he uh, he got his uh, he got his old D and D box back, or he bought he went online and bought yeah. this D and D set off of at, like eBay, just
3: like he was a random guy. He just was like, oh, you know, because I lost all my gaming stuff, I'm just going to randomly go on eBay
4: and just buy start buying my collection back. Wow. Whatever I get rid of.
0: Now I know where the story is going.
4: Yeah, he got yeah, it in the exactly. mail, and he Little just, hint there. just opens it up, and like the just like the weird smell clicked, and then he uh, flips through it, and all his characters were at the bottom of the box.
3: No
1: way! No. What? Yeah.
4: But he's such a
3: yeah. Uh, like the book he crazy. bought, he bought back his second edition book, and it had all his old notes in it. He thought he was just buying a an anonymous second edition book. Wow! Copy.
0: I mean, if you that's love something, crazy. set it free. into it, the world, it's and his. It, it, it it's came his. back to him. That's amazing.
1: That is. But yeah, is not great. And we good. would
4: play over at his house like before the podcast even started. We would go over there and eat Kentucky Fried Chicken like animals and Patton would bring these like $9,000 cupcakes and we'd all get sick.
0: Uh, Magnolia. Yeah.
4: But it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, Brian was always a barbarian and I was always an elf and Ken was always some weirdo. And it, it just it, most of that tradition has continued. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And now we figured out a way to monetize it. Yeah, ka (laughs) Synergize! But really, like,
1: how (laughs) did you guys...
3: It's a great excuse to keep playing games like children. Yeah, I've been
4: been playing since I was, what, like 14? And I'm 53 years old.
1: It's like Like a job
4: now. Yeah, it's great. If I went back in time and and could tell myself that I would be playing Dungeons & Dragons professionally (laughs) in my 50s, I would probably help the jocks pants me.
1: Mm. you're like that doesn't <laughs> Put, make any sense stuff your own self in a locker um, but really how did you guys come up with the concept of like, let's broadcast this people will want to hear us to play D&D a
3: lot of it had to do with just how famous Brian was I mean he you know was uh, a writer and star of Mr. Show the sketch show yeah. in, the, in the 90s and a lot of it had to do with comedy kind of being one of the big uh boons of podcasting so mm. you know like when these guys started uh most podcasts were comedy as far as i could tell they were either super nerdy in non-comedic ways or they were comedic and earwolf as far as i know was one of the first if not like the first podcast network that i at least the first i've ever heard of and they were Me too they were sort of uh co-created by scott aukerman who was also a writer and cast member on mr show and so they were really good friends brian and scott he and, is comedy bang bang yeah, yeah, he's Comedy Bang Bang host, um, he writes for a bunch of award shows, and uh, he wanted to start just a comedy podcast network. And so, yeah, like it came from just Brian being like an obvious choice to ask
4: to host something. Yeah, everybody knew that we had this game going on, mm-hmm. and I think people, like Dan said, hey, Brian's kind of famous, we could maybe kind of roll this into, into a little attention. But uh, uh, I think we kind of didn't do it for the longest time, because we thought that it would just sort of turn it into a drag instead of a game.
0: Has that, but, uh, did that happen? I mean, what, what, what? How did you? What things did you do to, to make sure that you didn't, you know, make it feel like it was uh, a, a job a or job, a drag? Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? I don't think it ever did feel like a job.
4: Yeah, it was always it was always fun. It was it got really hard because a lot of us had. I mean, I have a uh, a little boy now that I didn't have when we started any of these campaigns. And Sark had to stop dungeon mastering because he had two kids. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Gazardo took a break for a couple of years and had two kids, and now she's back. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, and Brian's got his kid. It, it's I have two kids. I could leave at any moment. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah, everybody has to juggle these these adult schedules with the
3: whole time. And by comedy, oh. I mean like friends bullshitting like that it, like yeah. like when i'm dungeon mastering i know very very much that like i might accidentally talk over a joke but if i if i can listen to the joke happen and not step on the joke just to make a game happen that's the better call like we, we have people listening and and i take that to be like a huge gift
0: mm.
3: you know like i i why 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 bother uh Doing a thing that has comedy attached to it, if the comedy isn't as is fun as possible, and these guys are all super naturally funny, and uh, I, I I enjoy being the straight man on the podcast right now as much as I like being funny and playing characters and stuff. It's
4: straight man is the hardest part. It is. Yep. It's most fun. I'm Sh- that Smothers.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How did your game, game group- like
4: Smothers? It's got to be good. Oh, I'm thinking of Smothers. Um,
1: that was good. How did your your game group originally i know you guys have said you said you've been playing together for years but how did you originally because you started playing as adults it was it was a halo how did group. did how did it start well a i think halo jerry group.
4: and jerry and uh and ken and sark they knew each other from halo and they would play video games and okay. stuff. everybody was sort of connected that way a little bit yeah and then uh uh everybody who played d and d knew every, who knew the other people who played d and d so when the game started it it was just sort of like the beginning of gumball rallies gumball, gumball gumball everybody would just everybody knew who was going to play, so it just it came together very organically and very quietly so uh
0: that's cool that's really cool, and I think you know i mean obviously having the time to be able to do that is important for adults as well as kids
4: yeah it was it was fun i mean there was a point when we were always, it's, it hasn't even worn off yet, but there's still that moment where it's like, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons every week for years. How did, they, how did we do this? <laughs> right? Who do we owe what? Because there was a point when we were, uh, we were playing over at Hardwick's office. and He had this nice office and we would go in there on Sunday afternoons we would all bring food. We sat at a huge conference table like we were a Klingon tribal thing or whatever. <laughs> And it was like how would, and that was when, like 10, 12 years ago too. Yeah, it's like when we, even then we we're in our forties or whatever. But it was like, when is somebody going to come out with a hook? Mm-hmm. And stop this! But it <laughs> right. was it always it always worked out. It was always fun.
0: Well, I think I mean that's I mean you guys pointed to a little bit of of, of the change of the times in a way and how these uh, type of uh, you know podcasts and, and video streams out there are are more prevalent. But you know I, I think it's something that is really important for adult. You know, not necessarily males, but like adult people in general, to make time in your week for play. Yes. For for being all able right. to get together with your friends, do something social, face to face. Especially with, you know, the amount of screens. You know, I've got like six of them pointed at me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, you know, there's something really great about having that face to face connection. And you guys just happen to be, uh, uh, you know, preternaturally funny, so it makes it all entertaining as it's happening. But even without the microphones and the cameras on. I think it's really important. I think that, that idea about Dungeons & Dragons being that thing that brings people together is the, th- the thing that has changed over the last five or ten years.
4: Well, that's, ver- that's very true. I mean, I remember this, this podcast was going on for a while, and we would be doing shows at, like, the Meltdown on Sunset Boulevard, which, which was, like, the comic book shop that had all the shows in the back. Yeah. And uh and more and more you would go into meltdown and i would see like sign up sheets for D games and you would start hearing about more people getting D games together and people were always contacting us online going hey we're listening to the podcast we're going to start our own group right so it was i mean it certainly wasn't because of us but we happened to be already kind of doing it when this renaissance for dungeons and dragons became started to happen where it became acceptable and fun and People started to discover it again. I mean, it never really went away, but people started going, hey, we could play D&D. Why aren't we not playing D&D? Yeah. So more people started doing that, I think, which was... Uh, uh, and then it just... It really did explode over like a year or two. There was a point when it went from zero to everyone. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, and no complaints. More people playing, the better.
1: So you guys played... You started playing when you were kids, teenagers?
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I was
3: probably... Uh, I was just telling is like uh, when second edition came out is when I first really played
0: the complete book of elves and the complete book of fighters I, and all those
3: I, used to, I had I uh, my favorite book was the the monster manual the the, mm. the monsters manual I would just I would I would try to memorize everything <laughs> I remember there was I think it might have even been third edition when there was a book that came out of like it was like additional monsters I think it was called what was it called? It's something. Scene Folio. It's something like that, right? But it had monster in the title, and um, it was just like it didn't have as many character blocks as it just had like lore and and it was like it, like I, that's where I, I started falling in love with like random drow gods mm. who who like were in this insane pantheon. Um and uh, yeah yeah I lo- I lo- I loved uh, I loved it for around the when did you what was were you pre eighty eight Can you beat eighty eight?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you were 14, you said, so do the math.
4: I was was playing in the 70s, 79 or 80. Because I graduated from high school in 83, and I was playing with those guys in ninth grade. Dang. It was like they had started playing. My friends started playing a group in my neighborhood, and my friend Dave Bailey uh, had to dungeon master that night. So they had me drive his wizard Estariol I had never played before, and I was just sitting there. I have, had such a blast, and I was like, uh, okay, this guy's going to attack you. What do you want to do? And I go, I'll attack, I'll attack him with my dagger. And <laughs> Dave would just start sweating. No, don't. You're going to get me killed. <laughs> <laughs> made out of, like, balsa wood.
0: Yeah, because you had, like, one spell that you could cast at that time, and you're like, I'm not going to use that. But.
4: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll attack him with a, what do I have, a pan? Can I, can I get a pan? <laughs> uh, watching him just blanch. But uh, and then that night I was just hooked. And then it was just me walking around high school with my books for the rest of the rest of time. And then I would I also played like traveler. I was a huge traveler mm. guy uh, and I would run those campaigns. And then my friends and I would all like rotate and stuff. But I had it was it was much smaller back then. It was like it was back in the days where uh, if people heard that I played Dungeons and Dragons, I would get punched.
3: <laughs>
0: so, right. Know, now Prototype. people are like high high five. Right. Nice. Now, all yeah. to play now I'm with getting you.
4: high fives from the people that would punch me.
0: <laughs> the exact same people. They're like, "I'm sorry, I punched you." <laughs> yeah.
3: Can I get your know game now? They, they don't remember that they beat up nerds. They that's don't true. have they don't have long term memory. So
0: that's very true. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm very happy that that's all changed. But uh, uh, what about uh this new campaign? Like, what what is exciting about playing the new character? I love that you remembered this the wizard of this. Uh, Oh, uh, Astariel. Astariel.
1: That's a great name, by the <laughs> way. You know,
0: and I'm, I'm hoping... It's
1: yeah, a great 70s wizard's name. It is. Uh,
4: I'm, what's, I'm, what's your
0: I'm new ex- character?
1: I'm
4: playing, an, I'm playing a druid. I've never played a druid Ooh. before. I've never played a druid. So I'm playing Dr.
1: Uwid. Dr. Uwid the, the druid?
4: Uh, I'm, a, I'm a sort of a professor. I lost my tenure after a, <laughs> something went wrong in the lab and gave me strange powers. Now I live in the woods. And I just want to get my tenure back. <laughs> my tenure.
1: <laughs> 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 anyway. Just, you know, it's
4: either that or play, a, play a hippie.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, kind uh, of the same.
4: I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to, like, talk over Dan. Uh, we were talking about something earlier. I think the, the hard part when you're trying to come up with a new campaign, I think the worst part is, like, you try to think up this character. And then you go, oh, he'll be like this. Oh, and then he'll do this. No, I'll have him be this kind of guy. And then the second you start playing, you find out who that person is. Mm. And that person might not have anything to do with the way you out- outfitted him or the spells that you picked or whatever. But I think that's the most fun of a new campaign is finding out who this character turns into. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're trying something. Uh, it feels
3: like what we set up was exactly like the last couple of times. I mean, like in, in most ways it feels like we are just trying to stick with what's worked, but, um, I like a couple of happy accidents. Like three of the five party members happen to be different kinds of half elves, um, and that includes uh, Brian, who is, as far as I know, never played. He's never played enough. He always anything plays a remote guy that
4: hits things.
3: So he's he's being like a super metal emo goth gloom stalker ranger. He's nice. like if Chris Angel, if Chris Angel was actually, <laughs> Chris Angel. yeah, uh,
0: mind elf.
3: And he's a half drow, which I loved. I I was like, Brian, really? He was like, yeah. uh, It's metal. (laughs) uh, And, and, um, and, you know, Sarah is a half sun elf. And, like, all all three of these guys' elves are so different from each other that it was kind of like, on paper, sure, having three half elves sounds like it might be boring. But they, uh, like, Blaine is obviously completely deranged, um, both in real life and in this game. His character (laughs) has been living in the woods so long he's half a wood elf and he's just uh, his wood elf wood elf
0: i don't uh, think hair he would made of
3: moss <laughs> his his arm hair is watercress uh and he <laughs> he's just he's a mess and then you've got the goth guy the sun elf that Sarah plays is a tempest cleric who uh she's like a Robin Hood sailor type i mean like very different and um the other two are a Mechanical Man and an Aerokra. So, oh, it, I, nice! The party mechanics are great, um, and Blaine is doing a lot of uh, very intense role playing, as you've noticed. Uh, he, he has Doctor Uid's voice down, and he's he's already just yelled at people and freaked out. And he's got this uh, character flaw where doing any magic uh, is like a charisma saving throw for him. So he has <laughs> to. Look. It hurts when I
1: spell. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: and yeah some people have secrets going into this one a couple of uh our players were were like hey what if i had all this insane stuff in my backstory and i was like that is not a problem for me <laughs> that sounds good
0: as long as i can use it
3: which most people probably do when they play dungeons and dragons but you know because we put comedy first i think that'll be a fun element that will slowly unfold and um i'm obsessed with maps so i had this nice. guy sean bryant who does uh concept art for like dreamworks and a bunch of people do this map um and so in the first episode of the campaign a comet hits the planet and blows two giant holes in the continent and then they got a map and they try had after being frozen in ice for 10 years had to try to remember uh parts of the map uh so uh that's that's about where we are so far um and uh
0: having fun how do you guys uh, like produce it? Because I remember I was asking like, oh, and you were like, I don't know, it could, who knows? Like, are you guys doing like a session a week still, and then just putting that up uh, the following week? We do like two sessions
3: every two weeks, so we release them, uh, one episode a week. We're, like Blaine was saying, we have kids and and uh, and day jobs and such, and so you know we'll sit down for two hours. I mean, it it feels weird to play for only two hours. I assume most yeah. people. Like when I was a kid in and, and college and, or whatever, and I would try to play, it would be like you show up at your friend's house at 11 a.m., you start playing while you order pizza for lunch, you play for five hours, you order your second pizza for dinner, <laughs> yeah. and then you finish around whenever everyone gets sleepy. It's like Stranger uh, so, Things style.
1: Yep. Yeah. Marathon sessions.
3: So, you know, we, we try, we, we play two hours in an evening and then record or, or release uh, one of those hours each week. Yeah, and we're, we're exhausted
4: yeah <laughs> we're elderly people
1: yeah
3: it's like kids mom,
1: kids are exhausting
4: yeah between between the first hour and the second hour brian's like okay i'm gonna go tuck my kid in and <laughs> those off vaping yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah
3: like uh we we do a bonus we do also do bonus episodes twice a month um on top of that uh and we like joe manganello has been out a couple times we, Ooh, joe manganello you guys like abs right check this out <laughs> that's where all the comparisons started <laughs> Uh, but we have all our comedy friends on, writer friends, musician friends. We've had Scotty Ian from Anthrax on and
1: uh, Brendan oh my
4: from God. Uh, And We had uh, Dana Gould on last night.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: those. those
4: people, Simpsons. Yes. Which Very generic- cool.
0: So what's that like uh, integrating guests, especially ones that may not... I mean I'm sure all the people you you uh, uh listed just now are D&D fans through and through but like what does it feel like
4: yeah, Dan, Dan has never played D&D before and last night he was a half snake guy. Yeah he was a yanti pure blood sorcerer. Ooh. Oh wow. Yeah, so it was just like a uh it, it's like if if you've never been on a segway have you ever you've ridden a segway right? I have I never have, ridden have. a segway. You get on, if you've never been on a segway you get on a segway and then for a second you go, yeah, yeah, yeah what and then you can balance perfectly, and you go, "Okay, I get it." Right. And then you're tooling around. That's what D D is like. People go, "I don't know what you're talking about. How do you win? how do you right, win? Right, what's right. You, what where's the board? are the crayons. Where are the dice? <laughs> I just sit there and watch for five minutes. Right. And then you, five minutes later, it's like, "Oh, okay, I know exactly."
3: And what's you put happening. the yeah. comedy first, so they're allowed to make fun of it the entire. Like you know, like like as you, as, as I was describing the the lost city of Omu to Dana Gould, I'm hyper aware that I'm describing in an, an imaginary jungle castle to a legendary comedy writer and it would behoove me to not be precious about the jungle castle
1: <laughs>
0: you're
3: like broad good strokes
1: advice. that's pretty yeah. good advice
3: yeah like you know like you 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 kind of ease into it a little bit um so he was
1: he was
4: alarmed at how at how nerdy it actually was
3: yeah but he but it was my favorite part was there was a couple of times where he was casting lightning bolt and he got to take two fistfuls of d6s and you could just see when he rolled low, it, he was emotionally devastated. Like, even <laughs> though he was like, he rolled like a five on six D6. It was what? D6. He, rolled, he rolled eight D6 and he basically got a five. <laughs> like, oh. <which> <laughs>
0: that's but, like yeah, emotionally it, devastating me. Yeah. Like, that's real low. Yeah.
3: And uh, you just, it was so great because he went from making fun of us to having stakes in it. and was just like, oh, mm. yeah, got mad at the dice. Yeah.
0: That's, I, I, yeah, I like man.
1: that. Yep. That's how, it, that's how it works.
0: As soon as you start rolling dice, it does definitely feel like you're, yep. you're, you're invested. So yep.
1: good job on you guys. I got all new dice for this
4: game, and uh, I'm not sure if I like any of them. I always try to get new dice for a game. I think I'd burn them all out on a campaign. Do but all our, ju- all our dice are rolling. We were rolling so bad last night.
3: Botchtastic. Luckily, it was a bonus episode, so it just meant that you, you almost got characters killed that could come back to life, and it was we're not worrying too much about canon or anything
1: like that. It's just a bad dream. Do you guys exactly. do the
0: the the dice jail thing or meltdown dice that uh, have plagued you?
3: Uh, any metal no.
0: rituals? Uh,
3: yeah, I don't have a character per se, so I, what do you? What, do, you what, do you have any current? Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, jinxes
4: you got to work off or <laughs> supernatural? I usually I used to do it a lot. Is before every game I'll roll all my dice until they all hit the. Highest number, and then set them aside. Keep rolling until they're all the highest, and then when that's over, I'll do it all until they all come up one. Oh, oh! It's, uh, Just get uh, it
1: out of their system.
4: Yeah, and then I and then I cut myself to feel something. Anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> With the them. dice shards yeah. <laughs> uh, after you've smashed them.
4: Yeah, I love a, I love dice. I got a three sided at Comic Con. Wow. It's bizarre,
0: but I love it. I love the weird, like seven sided die and, and you know odd numbers.
3: I want to get those uh, level up dice where you need a black light to read the numbers on them. That seems Ooh. way over the top, but I'm into it. It's very because practical. If they have dandruff when they go to a party.
0: I know. I was just going to say, <laughs> the, beware what the black light I know, reveals in
1: your D and D games. Ugh.
0: You're like, what is? What are these splotches all over What's the table?
4: This looks like the bedspread is, is
3: here. Yeah. <laughs> <on your> <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: so. Up, no
1: when you guys are when you're starting a new campaign do you so you're saying that you know there's the three half elves in this campaign does does that inform how you're going to run your campaign dan or is it kind of vice versa you tell them like here's where we are here's what is about to happen go create characters
3: i built out a continent where like no matter what race they picked we would work in somehow how they got there and um You know, uh, like Blaine said, he wanted his character to have worked at Half-Elf University. (laughs) And he was... Old one to you. And he's completely uh, mentally um, uh, broken. So, (laughs) like, I had tenure, Dan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I already love this guy.
3: I worked hard for it. It's all gone. Make Half-Elf University exist on some level and
4: it's it'll you know not just online
3: but (laughs) a couple of the characters have backstories that could intersect without them knowing it and i like playing a couple of uh those cards as as long as possible like waiting holding them um and uh i I mean yeah this is I, i when it comes to character creation i just try to stay out of the way as much as possible and just encourage them to come up with as much as possible. Um, especially for the main campaign. It's not like Dana Gould where he was like, Can you just make a character for me and then we're on the air and I'm like, Can you name that character Dana? So you have a little bit of a stake in it and, and he <laughs> he named Nipsey. Um but uh <laughs> Nipsey, like
0: that's that stakes. Yep.
3: But these guys all know like if they if they put thought into it it'll be more fun for them. Yeah. And and Blaine is uh Blaine is uh frightening me with how funny he is with this Intensity. Yeah, yeah so I, I right. Keep going. Come uh, on. Keep
1: going. Come on, come on.
3: <laughs> Lane sucks now
4: that I have his money. Um, <laughs> big bills. What are you doing? Giving me an even pretend? Hey, uh, I, I'm rod. a I'm a father in my fifties. I got to flash a wad when I get down to the Moose Lodge. <laughs> you can't
0: but just yeah, flash you your
4: lodge. What camera am I in? <laughs> <laughs> lodge. But yeah, you should have said elks. It's got a hard K in it.
3: If you ever wanted uh, run a campaign and actually worry about that stuff, I say great. But why not just? I mean, I just like maps. That helps me. I just drew yeah. a map that has a lot of secret locations on it, and then I gave them one with no names on it that they had to fill themselves, like by rolling history checks and stuff. So like that way, there's a city for every race already planned out. Yeah. I can tell them that's where they're from, and then maybe they remember the other locations, but maybe they don't because they don't travel enough. And um, and you know, it's. It's easy just I, mean, I can't recommend maps enough just make your maps everybody.
0: I know maps are always my portal into any kind of fantasy world whether it was you know Lord of the Rings and Tolkien or, or any fantasy novel I'm always like whoa yeah, it, what's happening it, there what's happening there I don't even know what this is they haven't mentioned it yet but I want to find out more about it
3: for me the best part is is geographical stuff and improvising characters stuff so uh, that way if I invest all my writing energy into that these guys I I can let them totally control the story and not worry about if I've created anything myself or if I'm having fun. Cause I've already done that. And I get to, I get to tell them when they stumble on treasure that I've been sitting on for a while in secret, I can tell them when they found a new location that I've been sitting on for a while in secret. And that's my exciting part. Um, I, it's really weird when you run a campaign in front of an audience. Cause I, uh, the, the feedback you get from people on social media is really intense and it's 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 still surprising me how many people don't understand the choice aspect of Dungeons and Dragons they really do think you plan everything in advance and um
4: it's like a choose your own adventure
3: for reals for reals for real With more than Bandersnatch that's for sure Where hey, like
0: so you know there's a choose your own yeah. adventure company out there then you can't say that you gotta you got trademark uh, choose your own adventure it's pick your path is what we use
4: Oh 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 oh, oh, sorry, oh! Sorry sorry. Oh, you know what? I, I was sort of using it as the uh, as the way people say Kleenex
0: instead of tissue. That's the all right. You're protected. Then you're good. it's just
4: sort of dropped into the vernacular. It's a game of
3: Xerox, is what I meant.
0: To
3: say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I, I was thinking I, that too. It, it, I do I do really like how they guide the story by where they go because because yeah. Then, uh, yeah I, but, but it's funny how often people will tweet at us and be like, "Where were they supposed to go?" Oh. What was supposed to happen? What was yeah. that character supposed to say? <laughs> they're think always really a- nice, cool people, but you want to be like, "Oh, that's if you've never played D or you want to play D anD D, don't ever as a dungeon master, especially worry about supposed to."
0: Well, that's a really interesting thing that you know. Uh, obviously, the, the the rise of the streaming and the live play stuff that you guys are doing um, kind of lends itself to people thinking about it like episodic television. And that can be really great because people get really invested in these characters and when they perish, you know, they're, 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 you know, the audience is just as invested as the players are. But it lends to that comparison where people are like, well, you have, you know, these arcs planned out, right? And then that that's, you know, so do you think there's, H- how do we reorient the audience so that they know that choice is, is, is paramount?
3: We're not, we're not making uh you can't prep it like a sitcom. You have to prep it like an episode of whose line is it anyway? Yeah. You have, you have to, you have to have a bunch of fun improv games and you have to build out not just corny, but interesting props.
4: And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's all you do. What? You, you, you know, there were, of... a, there were, there was a time when I was dungeon mastering these campaigns and I would kind of, No, I I was, I had a, uh, I'm not like Dan, I'm not like a a real stickler attention to detail guy, but I knew what the world was and I knew where they were. And when the, the game would start, I knew what was around them. And so I wouldn't build out, I wouldn't generate any pixels. I didn't have to generate, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't generate a hill in the background if I know that these guys are just going to concentrate on this tavern. Because there there have been so many times when you've created a castle and then they go, hey, what's in this room? And they're in that room for three weeks. Yeah. So, you know, just uh, uh, I think it's a matter of knowing uh, knowing what the players are going to do as, as to what you're going to waste your time on and what you're
0: not going to mm-hmm. waste your time on. And I think awesome. a good dungeon master... Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
4: I was just going to say, also, I mean,
3: when in doubt, add in enough random encounters so they can't get to the city you haven't built yet.
1: ha! <laughs> Oh, Something's yeah, always
3: in your path. Yeah. And then, oh, they want to go to that city. I got to build that later tonight.
0: Exactly. Or I have time. I have a week before I have to do that. Yeah. But I was just, I, what I was going to say was that like a good dungeon master can make it feel like it's all planned out. Right. And then everything is, is going according to plan. When, as anyone who has dungeon mastered, you're mostly making that stuff up as it goes along. It's oh, just yeah. giving your players the impression that you had it all planned out is, is part of the magic of D&D.
4: We had a we had a, a thing during one of the pre-podcast games where Sark was dungeon mastering, and we were in a giant underground, uh, like a, a an electrical generator, and these magnets would go by that were the size of boxcars would be going spinning around in these in these caverns and we took the wrong turn and couldn't get out of the cavern for three months of actual gameplay. We would go over every week for three months and we would try to get out of this goddamn thing. And it was one of those things where it's like, hey, I, I drew this map and you didn't get out. This is how it works. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, uh, uh, there were so many points when he could have just, as the dungeon master, said, okay, I'm just going to let him get out. But I guess he just made a choice to say, they're going to die in here with their horses. Oh.
0: How did you, you know, get
4: out? It, 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 it's, I don't even know where that story was going, but it was just an amazing <laughs> story. He had, he showed us like months after he showed us a, a bit of the map and it's like, wow, we really messed up. We took one wrong turn and we were in there for three actual months. You know, I, I do
3: like to build out a lot of stuff that these guys will never see, but I try to use skills from not just improv, but standup. Yeah. And one of my favorite things to do stand up, for instance, is if I've got a joke, I'll do like a free write where I'll just ramble, but you never want to go on stage with a script in stand up, right? Like you need to like come up with either like just a couple of keywords and say it on your feet or like an outline. If it's a really long joke, like you outline it, don't script it though. You have to, you have to kind of like give yourself a skeleton and then do the details on your feet. And you know, uh,
0: Cause you always want to make it feel natural because if you're right. reading a script, people are like, I don't want to watch a monologue. I want to watch this right. person pretending so I, to come I, up with it on their own. I really
3: own. like with my campaigns to give myself some things that I'm reading, uh, that are description, but I also like to look at these guys and not just at my laptop. I like to look across the table and like make up some of the details as I go based on the expressions on their faces. You know, like how's the tone of this campaign going? Like, do yeah. they want to hear more about this or are they more interested in finding a person at this point? So you, the part of improv I like the most is not being precious about your ideas.
0: And listening. And
3: so, yeah, like, like if I know they want to go to a city, but it's it's to find treasure, I'm not going to describe the colors of the bricks uh, unless it, it, it'll help them with what they're looking for. You Were know, they I'm yellow?
0: To... Was it yellow bricks <laughs> that <laughs> led to the city? And the treasure. And the treasure. <laughs> no.
4: right, right, when they're... are you going to come down, Dan? When are you going to land? <laughs> <laughs> You should have stayed on the farm. You should have listened to your old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like,
3: like I, want, I want to make sure that I do have a lot waiting for them wherever they go. And I can stall them if I don't want them to show up. But uh, most of the time I do like to have um, major plot points happening at once. And, in, like, so if they're going in one direction, something else is happening off to the side and that'll sneak up on them. Just so I feel like my overactive imagination has some rails, even if they don't.
0: I love it. I love it. I'm excited to see where the, where the campaign goes now. And Dr. Uid,
1: I'm very excited, hoping that he gets his tenure back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tenure! Uh, If people uh, want to follow you guys or follow the podcast, what's the best ways?
3: Uh, Well, we have our own Patreon page. So if you just look up Nerd Poker on Patreon, I think we're one of the most successful Patreon
0: pages. (laughs) We're doing pretty good.
3: (laughs) Look up Nerd Poker. I mean, you'll find us on all the social media. Uh, we, we're on Instagram
4: and Twitter and all that jazz.
0: What about you guys personally?
4: Uh, you can follow me, Blaine Capach, uh, on Twitter. Or uh, Blaine Capazach, Cowpatch, Comanche, Cabbage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and if you're in Los Angeles in February, come see me hosting uh, Lucha Vavoom at the Mayan. It's our Valentine's show, uh, Mexican wrestling and burlesque.
1: Whoa. Ooh.
4: The legendary Lucha Vavu.
1: That sounds awesome.
3: Uh, I'm on, I'm on, uh, all the social media sites. Just look up at Taco Bell and, um, ask me about my favorite recipes. Um, mine is grandchildren. I, uh, <laughs> I do stand up also. I, uh, when I'm not being a straight man on, uh, this podcast, I, I host a monthly show at the Lyric Hyperion here in LA, uh, called the filling. And in February, the lineup has, uh, Deborah DiGiovanni, uh, Jen Kirkman, ron funches it'll be really a fun show so uh if anyone's watching's in the la area uh just check out it's called the filling
0: is that a, a dentist relating uh, to dental? Uh, no
3: pie, man. It's about the pie filling.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, no. wrong yeah. filling! I, I wanted to five one four, man.
0: I wanted I to watch call. some dentist fillings happen. That's yeah. that's pretty funny that's to me. Very funny. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, you're super funny, and uh, uh, listening to the podcast is one of my of my joys. So I can't wait to get back. Oh, to
3: you. thanks, Greg. And uh-huh. and I should say uh, you guys have been very supportive in many ways. I, we,
1: hey, we thank you for being a return guest.
0: That's right. Oh, oh that's right. I've been on before. Yeah, yeah good to see you again, Shelly.
1: Yeah you
0: too. <laughs> Blaine we'll never see you again goodbye no I'm just
4: oh oh, oh, oh sorry well I'll, I'll be there in about 10 minutes I'm pulling up out front
0: <laughs> I've got your <laughs> tenure waiting for you right here
4: oh, oh my tenure <laughs> if you if, if you really want to see how it turns out go uh watch one through nine year and it'll
0: catch you <laughs> <laughs>
1: right we'll go do that run. now
0: Uh I cast diarrhea well, I
4: really never see <laughs>
0: alright thanks you guys
1: take it easy oh thank you guys bye bye <laughs> best interview ever
0: i enjoyed uh that interview extensively totally yes funny Uh, funny guys i think we laughed um i cried a little i believe you did cry but i thought that was because you were laughing no no
1: those were like tears of sadness
0: (laughs) not tears of joy
1: no joy joy all around sparking joy
0: everywhere you walk
1: without having to fold your, roll up your t-shirts and shove them in a drawer. Exactly. Are you watching right. that show? The what, Tidying Up?
0: I am not watching that show. Oh. Uh, although I support Tidying Up right. in general. Right. Um, I think I think Aaron and I live our lives a little bit like that. I mean, not to say Tidy? we don't have, Yeah. We definitely are like, get it out of here. And I'll say, I don't think we've, we've done the uh, does this bring you joy anymore you know, thing. But I do say to our kids being like, you haven't played with this thing in like 3.5 right. years.
1: And that's when they it's out. It's super... Joyous in their most favorite toy in the world.
0: Yeah. And they're like, no, mm, get it out. And yeah. I think uh, I'm instilling, you know, that uh, that kind of self editing of stuff.
1: I love to do that. Yeah. That's the kind of editing I am good at. See? Throwing away other people's t- stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Not my own. It's
0: Marie Kondo and Shelly Mazzanova right. teaming up. No joy. Yeah. No so joy. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Well, thank you again uh, to uh, Dan and Blaine for stopping by. Uh, uh, We really enjoyed that conversation um, and want to let everyone know that you can follow everything about Dungeons & Dragons in a bunch of different ways.
1: What are those ways? Well,
0: there is uh, on Twitter. You can follow uh, Wizards underscore DND there on the Twitters. On Facebook, we are there as well. Um, And uh, one thing I want to make sure people know about is Dragon Plus. You can download that onto your Android or iOS phone and get bi-monthly updates about what's happening in the world with in-depth um, articles uh, with partners and people who are developing stuff uh, of interest to you, uh, but I like the artwork. I think is one of the best parts. The covers, of the covers are Love great. The, covers. Um, the internals uh, artwork uh, is is fantabulous, and we're always looking at ways to expand that. So uh, check it out. Yep. And uh, there will be a new issue to in February, but there is lots of great is- back issues available. Uh, as I said, on your phone, uh, the Dragon Plus app. Look for it where you get the apps for your phone, but it's also on the web. Dragonmag.com.
1: Easy.
0: Easy peasy. Yep. Um, where can people find out about Avalon Hill?
1: You stuff? can go to Avalon Hill 2, number 2, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Or on... <laughs> <laughs> <Diary. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> or on <at> Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Great. Right.
0: And then you're at Shelly Moo.
1: And I'm at Shelly Moo on the Twitters. And oh. you are...
0: At Greg Tito. That's unique. It is. Mm-hmm. I'm the only dude that's got it right now. Right. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, and I'm also on Instagram at Greg underscore Tito. Right. I put lots of the pictures up on there, uh, including ones from uh, my recent trip to the state capitol.
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah. I saw those.
0: Good stuff. Look nice. Um, and what about your bachelor recaps? Do you want to point people to you
1: them? You can go to com. I haven't really... I'm.
0: You said you had a backlog last time. I you do, still- and I
1: still do. Um... So if you want them in a timely manner, don't don't expect that. <laughs> okay. But but they'll they'll be they'll up there. be there.
0: All previous you know ninety five really, seasons are, are, I'm are recapped on there. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of them. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm just behind on the season. Well, for,
0: I know there's a lot of fans out there that rewatch Bachelor uh, seasons, so you can read your recaps as you're
1: doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some good ones. I think Ben Higgins as the Bachelor season was one of my best recaps because I hated him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: check it out if you can uh, thanks everybody I think uh, that's it do you see this this like really what is that
1: what is that I don't think you should touch it what if I just pulled out this one rock I don't, rock don't, and then, don't uh, think uh, you should touch uh, ow, oh, ow. <laughs>